0: And welcome back to the Wheel Talk podcast. We are super excited to be here today. Thank you so much for listening. I am joined by, as ever, my fearless companion, good way to put it, Lauren Rowney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hi, everyone. It feels like uh, it's been a while.
0: It does feel that way. I'm excited for us to all be back together again very soon.
1: <laughs> Me too. The gang's going to get back together. All these bloody time zones.
0: And joining us this week, we have Carolyn Canuel, Canadian legend. Yeah, really excited to have you. All around legend. legend. (laughs) Really excited to have you on the podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm super happy to join you. I mean, I've been a big fan, so (laughs) thanks for having me.
0: I feel like Sean's going to be jealous that you were asked to be on the podcast
1: before he was.
2: He did mention something about it. I was just like, well, I don't know what to say.
1: (laughs) Actually, Sean would be fantastic. I know. I've, I've Um. multiple
0: times I've considered, like, asking him to be on the podcast. And he's given me some really good inside information about, like, the Olympic course, for example, last year. But for some reason, Ah. I just, like, I never got, I never, like, had a moment where I was like, oh, this would be a great episode to have Sean on. And then this week I was like, oh, man, you know who we should have on? Carol Ann.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think he was quite jealous, but he would be happy to join one day for sure.
1: Um, just for reference, <laughs> listeners who, who aren't aware of this, um Ann's partner Sean is actually one of the DSs of the Jaco Alula team. So they're quite the dynamite partnership, I would say. <laughs> When it comes to women's racing,
2: yeah, it gets me quite involved in the sport, even even if I didn't want to. I mean, I, I retired and then he he took over a job like this, <laughs> one,
3: so I love for, it. For me,
2: yeah, it's like well, I'm still involved no matter what. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. All right, so we're gonna chat a bit about Itzulia Women that happened over the weekend, and we've got the Vuelta Burgos coming up. Plus, there's, uh, I, we're going to pick Carol Ann's brain about SC Works and their inner goings-on. And also, um, I want to talk about uh, Gatineau because you're trying to bring that back. And I think that's really awesome um, for North American racing. So, let's... Um, Let's dive in. Let's talk about Itzulia Women. It was three days of racing. The first day was the weather was absolutely horrendous, but it kind of cleared up by the end, and we had a surprise switch in the general classification on the final stage, but Demi Vollering took the first two stages, and her teammate Ronald Russo won the third stage solo to take the overall. There's... I feel like there's not a ton to unpack here. There's like a couple points that I picked up on during the race. And of course, if you guys noticed anything, we can absolutely talk about that as well. But I feel like the first thing to talk about is just Demi Volering is flying right now. She won the first two stages in two completely different ways. The first stage she won solo and watching her descend that wet road was, I was like, shaking i was so scared for her it looked terrifying and i couldn't imagine descending that in a peloton like <laughs> she was definitely the safest one on <laughs> the road and then she won the second stage with kind of a reduced bunch sprint so really impressive riding from Volering all around i think and for me like even more impressive uh human human being on the third stage to be totally okay with marlon russo taking that overall and we talked a little bit about it on the pretty serious bike racing podcast last night, but it's like m- moves like that from a leader like Vollering, who's clearly going into the rest of the season and like the rest of her career as very much like a Anna Vanda Bragen protege. And in a lot of ways is maybe gonna be a better rider than Anna. We'll see. I mean, she's like so fresh into her career right now. It's crazy that she's this good already. Um, to hand over a win like that to Marlon Rusa, who's never won a World Tour stage race, it just bodes really well for how that pair is going to work together for the rest of the season. And whenever Marlon Rusa has to sacrifice for Demi, it's going to be like, and she's not going to have any issues with it. Um, with with kind of a teamwork like this, so yeah, what do you guys think about Demi and and this
1: victory? I feel like I just want to speak about Demi. Um, as a whole, for the the 2023 season, she's just continued to show her, I guess, maturity and confidence in herself. She, you can just see it in the way that she's writing. She, she really believes in herself, and um, she's got a fantastic mentor in her ears uh, by behind, behind the scenes with Anna Vanderbreggen. And I think she's very much approaching everything as like not looking at. Um, what's just happening now but the big picture and like you said her career has just gotten started she has so many more years in the sport if she wants it so um you know giving a win away to your teammate who's just been such a a key part like integral into all her wins actually this year um yeah i thought it was a really cool thing but she just seems i don't know content Um, within herself and I guess Caroline as you know I I don't know did you and Demi cross over briefly one year
2: yeah one year we cross over um yeah I was able to notice like they had the shimmy with the with uh, Demi and Anna and I feel I can see the same thing happening again but not with Anna with like somebody Mm -hmm. else and I I think I, I yeah I'm really impressed with Demi I mean she was already strong when she was in the team but like now you can see she can like win from a climb. She can win from a, a bunch, but not a bunch, but from a small group. And then there's so many ways where she can win. And yeah, I think what she did uh, this weekend was just show how great of a champion she is. And um, yeah, I'm really impressed with her. And I mean, I, I already loved Amy, but uh, I enjoy uh, watching her more and more. Yeah, I agree
1: with you 100%. Man, watching
0: her post-race interview on the first stage was like, it, it would like hurt my heart to watch. She was shivering. Like her bottom lip was just quivering and she looked so cold. And I was like, someone get the girl a hot chocolate. Like she looks so cold.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm so impressed that she was okay. Like after losing Vuelta Feminina, which would have been a huge blow to her, to be able to turn around and easily have won all three stages of Azulia again like she did last year and take the overall but to turn around and be like no I'm totally okay handing this win over to my teammate is is really cool because she's obviously got bigger fish to fry later in the season but a win is a win and winning at Zulia two years in a row would have been uh like a, an impressive thing for her to have done but she was like yeah no I'm good uh you can totally take this one <laughs> it's just like I don't know, It's so, it totally blows my mind. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, again, that, that's just showing um, her maturity and just knowing, like you said, there's bigger things to come. And I guess uh, when I was watching it with my partner, he was like, no, she's lost again because of, you know, something kind of out of her hands. And I'm like, it's all right. I think, you know, she the world has sucked. I'm sure that really sucked for her. But to to see your teammate win is always a really cool thing. So um, I guess, yeah, uh, that could sort of segue into another talking point um, about maybe Annemiek van Vluten and how she raced the Tour.
0: Yeah, I want to talk – well, I mean, we touched on it briefly last week about how Demi's racing – Julia and then she's going into Burgos this weekend and then after that she's taking like a little bit of a break but I feel like it's just a lot of racing back to back so I'm curious how this is gonna like it's not like the racing is getting any easier and Burgos is gonna be another really hard stage race it's four stages and we'll talk a bit about it at the end but it's not It's a lot of racing back-to-back, and I I feel like there's really not a lot of riders in the peloton that can take on this kind of load, so I'm still just like a little bit concerned about the amount of racing that she's doing, because as far as I could tell, Van Vluten isn't doing Burgos.
1: No, but she's doing... I guess it kind of... Well, it does make sense if if you're going to go and do the Giro and the Tour de France. She is down for both at this point, right? But maybe... Maybe she won't take on the Giro. Emma
0: Norsgaard in my chat with her last week, that if anyone missed that, it was um, an absolute joy. <laughs> She's a really hilarious human being, um, said that the plan is for her to do all three, yeah, to do the Giro and the Tour Next. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Van Vluten looked great at all the the three days. And, I mean, we say this all the time, that she doesn't look awesome on a bike, like on her best days but uh but she really she looks like she's just not able to take it to the rest of the peloton like she has before and she tried on the final stage to attack and demi was just right there so i think that that is something for one like after the vuelta like demi's never gonna let her out of her sight
1: again (laughs) yeah and i think um what, what I thought interesting on the, the last stage, I don't know, you said you had some talking points to talk about, but when she was obviously getting up the road and trying to get some time, um, there seemed to be quite good cohesion in the back with Cassia, Marlon, and Olivia Barrow from UAE. Um, and I think one of the commentators is like, oh, it's, it's curious that, you know, um, Marlon Russo is, is actually working this to helping the other two writers get up. But I actually thought it was a fine situation. But it seemed like everyone kind of, I don't know if this was my interpretation, were they working against Anamiek? Maybe. Did you get that feeling a little bit? Like with Marlon like completely like dropping the wheel and then Anamiek sort of slipped off back at one point, like Cassia ke- kept looking over her shoulder to see... Um, where she was, it was kind of like I don't know if SD Works and her were sort of coordinating attacks. I don't know. Maybe it was just my own my own head, but it was like really I don't know. I found the last stage, the last like fifteen kilometers, really messy. I don't know. I said I don't know a lot there,
2: but I think it was interesting tactic. I mean, I really like how SD Works just brought the numbers back together and basically just reshuffle the group and then that's how Marlon was able to go away right maybe I, I don't know what Demi was feeling probably would have been a- able to take the win on that stage but um I I, I think just the way Works wanted to work was um give a chance to everyone right um by mm-hmm. waiting for Marlon to come back and then now it's like we start from zero again and then she could attack and actually that worked and now they, they were winning again for sure so I'm um, to me, I don't know if they were against one person. I think they were more in the uh, demo where how can they win?
0: I mean, it's nice to see SDWorks riding so aggressively even when they have the lead because it keeps the race fun. Mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I, like you said, I think Demi would have just taken another stage if, if it hadn't been Marlon.
0: Maybe we would have seen a late race attack from Kasia because she rode so well. This was this was her best year. She She was was great all year. I mean,
2: yeah, she she was the first one to attack when he came back together, and uh, I really thought that would work. I thought that was great, but. yeah, it works out another plan. And I love how Marlene just went, went back at the back of the bunch and yeah. gave herself some space and just like, it was obvious what she was going to do, but she did it super well. I mean, we tried to teach that to young younger kids, not the juniors, how to do that. Uh, but that was a perfect example.
0: <laughs> it's true. You could just like show them that, be like, okay, hey, this is what you need to do when you, need to, when you want to attack. Yeah. When you can't sprint, when you're like incapable of sprinting, all you have is just the diesel engine. This is how you win. Yeah, And
1: I guess when you're a rider in that situation and she goes, like how many times has she done it this year? And it must be so incredibly hard to even close that gap. And then once that gap just goes out a little bit too much, you just know she's never coming back.
0: I mean, I think that stage was super hard too. And we only got, what, 17 kilometers of live coverage. We got just like abysmal amount of live coverage for this race. The absolute bare minimum or less <laughs> so we didn't get to actually yeah. see on how on got off the front with demi and how that whole sh- like situation shook out but you can tell just by looking at the results that it was a really hard day
2: yeah i think also the weather it seems like a really hard race with the weather just like the rain and everyone was super cold so like to me that um we forget about that part how much like of in impacts the recovery and stuff so i feel like at the end after a long day um, and long climbs like this, I think it really impacts um, how hard the races. I did
0: speculate if if the weather was going to remain as terrible as it was on the first stage, if Vollering actually was going to pull out before the second stage, because she's got so much other stuff going on later in the season that getting sick right now well, there's a pretty good amount of time from now until the tour, it still would not be ideal to get sick right now. So I was, when I was watching her bottom lip quiver, I was like, I wonder if she won't start tomorrow, if the weather is going to stay this bad. Um, but it, the, the second day at least like cleared up a little bit, but the, the weather does take a huge toll. And for this part of the world, this time of the year, I guess it's pretty normal to see this because last year's weather wasn't
1: too good either. I remember that region can just be like so nice and then so awful i think in general um it's the best country isn't it they get some i think the most amount of rain in the whole of spain that area so yeah probably all- i think
2: it's like yeah over like 300 days maybe i don't know i'm saying yeah. it i'm saying it probably a lie now but <laughs> it's a lot yeah um <laughs> So yeah, so
0: Marlon won the overall by a minute and 50 seconds. And then Demi Demi was second, and Kashi Niwadoma came in third. So a really awesome result for her. And Olivia Barrow finished fourth, which this is the race that she kind of came on the scene last year as well. And it's awesome to see a Canadian up there. But I didn't realize that this is actually like her home region um that she she lives in when she's in europe so it totally makes sense that she this is a race that she excels at because i think she trains on these roads a bunch
2: yeah uh she moved there a couple of years ago she moved there for school actually she's uh, studying still i believe and she just took on a program there and she's from my region actually in canada the same uh, hometown well, not hometown, but really close by, um, and I'm really impressed with her. I'm really excited to see her being so consistent right now at this time of as this time of the year, and uh, uh, I'm I'm really looking looking forward to uh, see what she can do in the future. But I mean, she was so consistent this week. It wasn't like a lot, like a lucky day or whatever. Like every three days, she was up there. Um, yeah, I'm really really impressed with her.
0: Yeah, it's cool to see. I I remember going into the Tour de France Femme last year, I kind of marked her as one of my favorites for like an underdog. Um, And then she had some bad luck and she wasn't able to finish the race. But I'm really excited to see how how she goes the rest of this season because it's it's cool. I mean, we've obviously got some really impressive Canadians in the peloton. Um, But she's one that's really flown under the radar. Like she's not she's not been around too long and um she's not super well known compared to some other writers
2: yeah no exactly and i think um she seems like really happy where she is in the, in the program and um um i think that was what's missing before like a, a lot of confidence because i i talked to her a little bit uh, a long time ago but basically what she says is i didn't change anything i'm i'm still like doing the same things but she's just more happy with uh, where she is at now
0: anything else about it we should talk about that i i feel like there was only three days so it's not like there's a there's it's not a week long race to break down um but i feel like the major the major takeaways were just like sd works is taking their spring classics form into the tours and while they had a little bit of a Hiccup at the Vuelta, They've, they're still far and away the strongest team in the peloton. And um, I guess I, you already mentioned it, but it
1: was just good to see Cassie in such good form.
0: She's one of those riders that is just like con- so consistently at the top. That you that it, when she's not. Like in that top group kind of making attacks, it it feels like it's not right. Like it feels oh. like something's out of place. Mm-hmm. So to see her kind of back up there is really, really nice. It's just, it's like the universe yeah. has stabilized itself.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see her win something. I guess she's always there. She's always fighting. She's always so close. Like uh, she, she deserves it. <laughs> We're cheering for you. Yeah, she's
0: one of those riders that, like, she just, she deserves a victory. Like, she's, she is always the first rider to attack. She's always, and maybe that's to her detriment, but she's just always so aggressive and fun to watch. And, I mean, there's a reason that we just love her on this podcast and that fans of the sport love her. Because, like, you need riders like that to make the races more exciting. And how can you beat Works? I mean, just trying to, like, out-maneuver them. Or attack when they've all well, stopped we, on the Well, We start actually line. have
1: an insider here. So Fire I should the ask you about SD
0: Works. What is it like? What is it like being on SD Works? I mean it's like you guys go into the race, you've got you have what, five out of the six riders on the start line can win the race. <laughs> how do you guys how does the team like decide who they're riding for? Do they ever decide who they're riding for? Is it just kind of a like, OK, well, halfway through the race, you look like you're in the best position. Go for it. Or what is it? What is it like?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. <laughs> um, well, there's always confidence that, yeah, obviously, like we have the or we used to have the riders that can win the race. And this basically, it's just having the numbers at the end and then it's just played the a game. That's always our mentality. And I think. I think also as they were like show, show it like this weekend by still being, um, really aggressive in the race. And basically that's what we do. We, we plan the race and then we just make it happen. Right. (laughs) So, so you you know, the tactic you want to do, and we're all committed to one goal. And then in the race, like it's easy to reevaluate if you're not feeling well, whatever, but that's, we just trust each other. And basically, I mean. I always consider my teammates like family and like I will do anything for them. Like they just need to ask. And I feel like everyone is doing the same thing. And then that's just how we, we used to race anyways, like just with your heart and like give, give everything for each other. But obviously before you have a plan and you know, you kind of know who, who could win that day, but we always have more than one. Like it's never just on one person. It's always like you have few leaders and then depending how the race goes, then yeah, everyone has a chance. Like, that's that's also what it happens when Marlon went. Like, sh- then it was her chance and it was fine. Like, that's just how it works.
0: How, how does Danny Stam, the, the manager of the team, kind of for, foster that kind of environment where everyone is happy to ride for each other? Especially with so many riders that are, you know, on any other team, they would be the out-and-out leader in every single race. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I feel like before a race, we always, we always ask our goals as like, we show up there. And it's like, how do you feel? What do you want to do? And normally by just doing that, we already know the role of each riders. Um, and then normally there's only two or three that it's like, oh, like, this is like the race I want to win. And then, well, we'll go for her then. Like, it's as simple, I think.
1: But Caro, um when we were teammates and we had our December camp, we always sat down with management and they looked at the calendar and remember how you had to sort of say, this is a race I want to target, this is a tour I want to target, et cetera. I guess you do do that in the winter and then when you show up to a race, it can change, right, that, like you mentioned, if for some reason you're just not feeling great at that moment and maybe that race had been a target race, but... It, you just know it's 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 not gonna go how you want it to go
2: yeah no exactly i totally agree with you like what of course you need to make a plan in december and th- this is how in the perfect world that's how I, I want it to happen but you never know with injuries or he- illness or any other stuff so you need to re- re- reevaluate uh at each races but um so i i think that's important to do before but yeah, normally it just worked out. It, it just worked out in in some ways. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're not feeling strong or whatever, but the thing is also you also had that pressure that um, you want to be confident if you say you want to win because otherwise there's another girl that could actually win. Or so that's always. I feel like that was a bit of the pressure um, in a way for certain girls to say, well, I want to win, but you know, like there's always this other girls that prove that she's she could win. So um but also they all I mean if you have an opportunity they're gonna give it to you that's for sure
0: sorry what was it like for you because for you you were kind of the super domestique of the team and we saw when Marlon won on Sunday that Demi felt like it was her win like the especially in the post race interview it was very clear that Marlon's win was the team win and Demi felt just so ecstatic for her but what was it like for you who most of the time found yourself working for the leaders?
2: Yeah, and that's exactly, when I saw that, that's exactly how I felt. For me, it was just easy to do the job because I knew at the end of the day, they will be like really thankful for the work I've done. And they always say it's a teamwork. Like there's a lot we don't see, like like on the, these races, we only see the last 20, 30K. But there's a lot of work that is done before that. And they they know that, that they couldn't win without the work that you do before. And they, they're always really good about it to say like thank you and being like also open about it that it's a team uh, effort and um for me that was like enough and um I was always happy to to give a shot like to 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 give back to my teammates for that
0: well you said before we started recording that the teams changed quite a bit since you were on the team I mean obviously when you were on the team it was kind of like a lot of legends (laughs) of the sport and they've got a pretty Young team now, um, but it does seem like they've carried over that mentality into the younger team because they they still, you know, go into the race. They went into Vuelta and it was very clear that they were riding for Neve and Demi, um, that Neve had just as much opportunity to win the race as Demi did. So it, it's still like an environment that very much gives credit where credit is due, but is also. I mean, th- there's a reason that they're just so good, and that when we watch like the spring classics, for example, that they won so many races with different riders. They just have that mm-hmm. that ability to kind of switch the teamwork around. And the only time we saw the kind of whole the the moment that was like, wait a second, I don't think everything's all as good as we think it is, was Strata. <laughs> Um But we haven't. I know I was actually surprised at one too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Oh." <laughs> it was such an interesting moment. But it seems all Yeah, it does seem yeah. like they've patched things up, but I'm so I just cannot wait to see those two race with each other at the tour and how that's going to go. I just I think it's like a really interesting even if, you know, even if they aren't even if they do get along, it's, an, it's a nice little storyline for us sitting at home to be like, oh, there's a little bit of dissension inside the SD works camp. There's like a chance that there's a ripple like within the team that might take them down because right now they can't be taken down from the outside.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But I'm sure now, to be honest, I'm pretty sure they've moved on like it it happened maybe in the moment for a few like minutes but then I'm sure they talk and now like that, that that's a pass right like we're, we moved on yeah. from this <laughs> um
0: before we um, yeah before we crazy. talk a bit about Burgos I want to ask you about the Tour de Gatineau because you're in the process with cataford alex cataford trying to bring back the race which is a uci race in canada um one of the the very few pre-covid uci races that we have in north america but then obviously what happened to the race and why are you trying to bring it back
2: yeah so basically it started maybe in 2010 and it was for maybe 10 edition and then I don't know really what happened because it was before i retired but bas- basically the organization i uh, wanted to move on but then COVID happened um so the race was canceled for three years and now basically um the new organization uh, didn't want to like bring it back and then for me since i retired um i i got interest in events and then obviously a cycling event just it was perfect for me. (laughs) I was just like, okay, maybe I should take it. And then, um, and then I I, I just jump in and I was like, okay, I'll take it over. If no one wants to do it, I'll do it. Um, It's going to be a a lot of learning process, but it's, it's a good challenge. And uh, for me, that race is super important because I raced it. Um, It's one of the only few races in North America, probably the only woman's race in, in Canada at this level. And we, we need more of them and I think uh, especially for younger riders that are just starting and I mean now you, you need to go to Europe if you want to race but I feel like if we can bring the peloton in North America um, and then show them what it's like in our on our roads and give this opportunity uh, it will help elevate the, the peloton in Canada and just bring more riders and uh for me it's super important i want it's also another way for me to give back to the next generation so um yeah i'm super excited and alex retired last year at the end of the season and i I was talking to him about this project and he said that he wanted to help and i've been really thankful for for his help and now we're just like two retired pro cyclists to try to like to to do like a bike race happening (laughs) um uh, but we're really excited for the challenge and i'm really looking forward to it and the city of gatsmo is really um helpful they're super excited to have a bike event in the city um so yeah yeah we're 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 working hard it's a it's a lot more work than i thought to be honest (laughs) i knew it would be hard but now i see like there's a lot of stuff like we're also learning on the way um, but we're pretty excited uh, to to bring the race in Gatineau in September.
0: That's super cool because obviously the men have the World Tour races in in September, the the two one days. But the women only have the the one UCI race that's during BC Super Week, and then they have Gatineau. And obviously with COVID, it really impacted the North American racing scene. And now we've only got B, uh, Joe Martin and Tour of the Gila in in the u.s and so it's really awesome you're bringing back Gatno. obviously one day races are totally different than stage races so having uci one day races in north america is really important
2: yeah it's actually two one day races we have the time trial that's coming back as well and a road mm-hmm. race and uh, so it's two 1.1 and then we're adding also a crit uh, but it's not a stage race the crit is by itself and it's open to like other categories uh uh that other like categories that want to participate. So it's not like UCI, but uh, the time trial and the road race. We wanted to like not do a road race because then if people want to just focus on the time trial, they could, or if they just want to focus on the road race, they could. Because I always thought when, it was always challenging when my team and then they have a time trial and it's like, do you bring the road, like the, the TT bike or you don't? And then it's always like this big debate. So just like that, people can choose. Um and I, I also think there's a few te- uh, time trial now, so I think it's, I, I'm a big fan of time trial. <laughs> so for me, it was also important to 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 bring it back.
0: Man, I loved Gatineau. Now I'm like having so many memories come back. It's like <laughs> so gorgeous there you're riding through a park a state park so it's like really really cool roads and in the winter uh i was talking to mike woods about it um because he's like around the area as well and they like shut down the whole park and it's cross-country skiing it's really really cool and it's like the stomping ground uh for like Mike Woods, Mateo Delsin, like a bunch of riders that that you would have heard of if yeah. you're listening to this podcast. So it's like, it's really cool. It's a really beautiful area.
2: Yeah. And since COVID, I mean, cycling in the Getson community has really exploded. And there's more and more women that now ride bikes. So, um, so I I think it's a nice Um, combination to, like, bring the international uh, peloton here uh, in Gatineau and then having all those fans of cycling that can just be there and cheer up. Um, We we moved the start-finish a little bit more in the city, so, like, it's easy for people to come and watch and make it really like a a bike festival, like, make it fun for the people as well, not just, I mean, the racer, but also, like, the people can come and watch, and it's easy and really fun. Yeah, it was Um, a weird finish And it's also the weekend after...
0: it was like on the highway.
2: <laughs> yeah, it it was. Yeah, we changed our course the course a little bit um, just just for to make it more uh, easy for people to come and watch. And it's also the weekend after the Grand Prix Montreal Quebec, so hopefully uh, it's going to be a a big week of cycling <laughs> all over mm. uh, That's Quebec. That's super <laughs> exciting.
0: Well, I'm really glad that you're doing that. That's it's really great. Great for Canadian cycling. Great for North American cycling. Yeah, really cool. Thank you, thank you.
2: <laughs> we still have some work to do, but we're pretty positive. And um, I-, I hope you guys can come and watch uh, in That'd live. Be, I'm actually really planning fun.
0: to be at the Canada one day, so I might as well stick around.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, for <perfect>. oh, really. <laughs> well, oh, so, thank yeah, you. Because it's
0: like it's the the schedule this year is awesome with Worlds being so much earlier in the year. So you know, like instead yeah. of uh tom's flying over for the canada races and flying back immediately to europe we were just gonna like all fly over together and my parents because i love canada oh yeah that'd be great (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, well it'd be so much fun you're part canadian right uh yeah yeah jasper alberta so like a little bit farther over oh
2: yeah (laughs) a little bit further
0: yeah yeah now next we need to bring back the tour of alberta because that was just such an awesome race
2: yeah i heard
0: okay let's talk a little bit about Burgos because we've got another world tour stage race coming up this weekend. It's four days It starts with um, a little, it's like the first three days are basically sprint sprint friendly stages. The first stage is short on the short end, 115 K and there's a couple, there's one category Two climb, but there's some non categorized climbs in there. But then the final 15 ish K 20 K is pretty flat so that will be an interesting day, maybe a breakaway. Um, cause there's a sprint point like near the end that remember the first stage of Burgos in 2021 when Elise shabby and, uh, yeah, that was such a great stage that day. Um, I hope we get to see a repeat of that, but I don't know if the course is quite that challenging. Um, And then the second stage has two category three climbs, but it's still like a pretty flat run into the finish. There's like a little bit of a non-categorized climb near the finish, but it, it dips down. So another sprinter friendly stage, stage three is very flat, very, very flat. The flattest day of the race. And then stage four, we have the usual massive climb at the end of the stage category three early in the day. And then a category, another category three that launches into the final climb that's this 11.7 kilometer long climb 6.3% with some really steep chunks in there. So that will be the GC battle on that day, obviously, but there will be some really interesting racing leading up to that point. And as per usual, it's a women's race and it's today is Monday. As we're recording this, we probably won't get the start list until Thursday morning because that's the way that they keep doing it. But the only, the, the One of the confirmed riders on the start list is Demi Bollering and uh, her teammate, Blanca Voss as well. And so not really sure who else is going to be there to line up against her. Potentially Sharon Van Anroy is on like the provincial start list that has like one rider per team. Um, The only team that's got a confirmed start, a confirmed roster is Jayco Lula. So yeah, interesting. It'll be a good race. Another, Another good four days of racing.
2: Yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I feel like they're. Um, I, I raced it in 2021, and I remember it being super windy at the the first stages, and they, it kept like the peloton on their toes. And then, um, and I, yeah, I think it's one of those things at that race. Like you could maybe split like that in the in the wind, maybe the first first couple of stages, but it's definitely the last day is the the, the queen stage with that that climb at the end.
1: I guess the big question is whether Demi is going to hold hold her form through. What do you think,
0: Kara? Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope so. I think she can't. I think, like, if we're going to see a dip in her form, it's going to be right after this, which is when she's going to be taking a break. So, yeah, I feel like this, if we do see her kind of start to fall apart, this won't be the stage where she will do so.
2: No, I think she's flying right now. I don't think, yeah. Eh. It doesn't just go Mm -hmm. away. Yeah, yeah i agree with you
0: (laughs) but i i still think that she's really playing with fire with this amount of racing back to back we'll see
1: she's only 26 yeah but she i think she we spoke about it maybe a few podcasts ago that she had like um a bit of a quieter spring did she only do four races in total or something five five races or something A, a really small spring calendar um, opposed to maybe what she's used to. So I guess it's all part of the plan and um, Anna is now a coach, so I guess she knows what she's doing.
0: I went back, I, I scrolled back into the archives of the race and it's all coming back to me now. So 2021 was the year that we had Nee Fisher Black's audio Diaries on the podcast yeah Uh, that was so fun (laughs) it was like her and Anna Shackley did audio diaries for us and the two of them were just absolutely hilarious the whole week um but the first stage was the stage that Grace Brown won that the three uh, Grace Brown and Lee Shabby got away like on a little kicker near the end and um and then we had this like really interesting kind of changing that was also where um where cecily utrip ludwig won her first world tour race on stage three um That's and right. the leaders jersey was changing hands a lot even though it was always going to come mm. down to the final stage like we had need fisher black in the leaders jersey at one point um yeah that was such a good race it was really really fun to watch and then last year it was won by juliette Labou. yeah i always forget that that she wow. won the
1: overall tour
0: yeah, she, I mean, she was riding super well. I remember last year, like she had this really incredible string of results where she won this race and then she won the mountaintop at the Giro d'Italia. Um, so she had like a couple really impressive results and I continue to pick her for GCs now, like for mo- for, I think I picked her for the Vuelta or at least was like, she should, people should watch out for her at the, in my preview for the Vuelta, um, the if anyone's wondering escape collective we're not doing previews for all of the races we're basically just doing the major races so there's no preview on escape collective for this race but there will be one for the giro coming up so you can find all the information you need to find on the internet at um, (laughs) firstcycling.com should we should we make picks and close out the episode oh i guess the only other news that we had was that it's confirmed that ride london will have live coverage This was a um, very annoying situation last year where we had Ride London, but there was no live coverage. And anyone who listened to our old podcast will know that Tilda Price was incredibly frustrated because she was the one who had to write the race reports. But they will have live coverage this year, and it's going to be Rebecca Carlton who's commentating it, and then she will join us on the podcast, which will be pretty cool. But yeah, the, the race will... Hopefully, definitely have live coverage.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I saw, is Lizzie Dighton like the ambassador for the race? I think so, yeah. I mean, she'll definitely be
0: there, she said. Um, But yeah, pretty cool. I mean, they're they're trying to elevate that race a little bit more because even though it's in the World Tour, it's often, I think, forgotten. Um, But without the Women's Tour now, it's the only race of that level that we have in the UK. It's a weird state of affairs. So without knowing... Without knowing the start list at all. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's guess who
1: will win well we know demi's there so just like
0: <laughs> universally acknowledge that demi will
1: probably win based on the final climb <laughs> but but if but if something like the Volta happens again then if something like the Volta happens again i would like to see Cassio win but
0: i wonder if cash so i'm talking to Cassio tomorrow for the podcast. So I'll know tomorrow if she's racing Burgos or not. Yeah. I think like it would, she's, she seems like she's climbing relatively well right now. Although these long climbs have never really been her forte, but I think based on not knowing the start list at all, if we were going to try to like assume who was going to be at the race, I would be surprised if guy really was at the race. To be honest, I feel like she's like really building up for the Giro at this point. And she's such a young rider that I don't think Trek would throw her into this race with the Vuelta just happening and like before the Giro. But that's just my assumption. Plus, with the three stages before she, if if there was more climbing earlier in the race, then I would assume that Guy Realini would be there. I wonder if Ashley Momenpasio will be there. She's not. She hasn't been racing a bunch
2: yeah i, I wonder too and i feel there was a lot of people that were racing now that they're coming back for burgos like some people are taking a break and then there's some people that were in the break that are coming back for this one so i'm interested it's going to be a quite different race than we 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 just have seen yeah i like ashley
0: hasn't raced since liege bass on the age we also have like grace brown is obviously clearly on super good form she just won the breton ladies tour and by winning the time trial and she was climbing really well earlier in the season. So I wonder if we'll see Grace Brown at Burgos, her team right now has some like really incredible riders on there that haven't quite done. They had, um, two riders do super well at it. Zulia. It was, uh, Evita music and, um, Lois was always up there as well. Like they, yeah, they had a good, They had a good race, even though they didn't have any results when they, when the race ended. So I, I feel like Grace should probably be there. I have no idea who Trek is going to bring. I think Elisa Longo-Borghini is at altitude right now. So I would be surprised to see her there. I'm, I'm, I don't think she's going to be there at all. Um, but yeah, there'll be a start list later on in the week. My pick is Demi Bullering. I don't know how anyone's going to beat her on a climb. Like and the climb is long enough that whatever time she loses earlier in the race, if she loses time, which she probably won't, uh, that <laughs> she'll make it yeah. up.
2: No, I totally agree. I think she's so she's just so strong right now. I don't see anybody being able to beat her. Like in the Vuelta, I mean, she was so behind and she still like make up that much time. I like, guess she was just riding incredible. So Yeah, to me it's hard to pick the deal. All
0: right. Well, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Carolyn, thanks so much for joining the podcast. I'm so excited. Tell Sean I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll have him on eventually.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll let him know. (laughs) All right.
0: And yeah, we'll be back. Thanks everybody. Uh, I wanted to just catch up and chat with you a bit about the season so far and how the team's been going. You guys have a new director, obviously, with Magnus, and it seems like that with him coming on, you've changed the way that you've that you've you all have been racing this season.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So this season this year, we got two new PSs. One is Maggie, Magnus, and the other is Mario. Um, Magnus is the main BS, so he's been doing multiple of the races with us. And definitely, it's been a very nice learning curve for, for all of us to kind of figure out how we want to um, race in order to win a race. We want to race in a way that most of the riders get the best out of them when racing. So, yeah, I think that everyone has been enjoying.
0: Journey so far with Maggie. How how are you feeling so far about your season?
3: Um, not so stoked. I would say. Um, Definitely, I felt that before the beginning of the season, I felt confident and I felt like I made a progress over the winter time, and I felt strong. And um, I was definitely hoping for different results. Uh, Starting the season, I had some bad luck. With news plan and then straddle bianchi of course, is my main goal. And then being left behind by a lot of cop if I was standing still on the last gravel section, was like a, ro- a rally to check. And definitely, that made me realize that women's cycling is changing in a way that uh, you no longer just have to do the winter trainings at home, like you gotta do soccer cross or truck, or you have to spend three weeks on altitude before everything starts, just to gain those extra advantages or just to be above others. I felt like what I've been doing so far, which was basically just like having routine training and like adding a strength training was something that elevated my shape, which actually did, but it wasn't enough in order to be winning races, which is, yeah, it just like feels really... Um I don't even know how to express that feeling because actually oh sorry, Wendy. Actually we were trying to figure it out with Taylor that like you feel that you do so much and every year you try to pull a little tail but then there is still something missing. So I kind of feel like now I just wanna, you know, basically live on the altitude just so uh I can feel that form that actually carries you to another level, because that's what I can definitely feel like even with Dani, she spent a lot of time on altitude, she's been doing uh, altitude change, so you just have those, I feel like I'm just missing this one percentage that could allow me to like be the strongest, because I feel like in some ways, like not feeling the strongest is also demotivating feeling and also I feel like that's what I've been searching for this whole season so far. I think that Itzulia race is kind of a nice end to finish my spring campaign because I felt like at this race, I was actually able to like also um, be a part of the race that could decide about something. And I feel like everybody needs those moments in order to feel an extra motivation to like I wouldn't even say work harder because I feel like it's more about like just finding details that allow you to just be ahead of others.
0: Yeah. This has been a really interesting um, running conversation through the season that we've had on the podcast, just about how, for example, Anamiek doesn't, isn't riding away from everybody anymore. And it's not that Anamiek is getting worse. It's that the Peloton is rising to meet her and there's more, women able to, like you said, spend time at altitude and find those little details. And, and it's just that everyone is getting faster now.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the main things that I was considering was just like having some sort of race stimulants during the winter time. Cause I couldn't feel like coming to first races from just a like, winter base training. Like back in the days was enough cause everyone was doing that. And now you really feel a difference and as the season goes on i feel like i just get this um fatigue resilience that allows me then to push harder because your body is kind of used to it or your body went through some hard races so you adapt and like thinking about not of people doing the track i think that she gets that stimulant quite frequently throughout the winter so um yeah, I think it's all about like kind of getting out of what you were doing so far and looking for ways how to prepare yourself so you enter this season kind of uh, above others because you had done something differently.
0: Do you think you're going to jump in some cyclocross races
3: then? I was like, to be honest, I was like, why not? Like, I got to do it, you know? Do I think you want to like keep finishing for the fifth because. I think like it's been so many years already that I feel like I'm stuck in the same position, you know. So whether it's going to be, I don't know, maybe a gravel race something longer. But actually, it's also nice to have some explosivity through back across. I wouldn't mind that. But
0: Zulia went pretty well. It, you were the first person to attack multiple times. You really made the race a lot more exciting. So do you think that you're getting there you're getting to where you want to be and i mean it's kind of just in time with the tour coming up yeah
3: i think that like maybe the difference between um people spending more time on out because i haven't really spent time on altitude i haven't been sleeping in altitude 10 so maybe just like the uh race shape was coming and and i built what i had I did two or uh, two races and maybe the rest of the peloton is kind of like getting tired or losing the effect from um, altitude. Um, but now, like, I would talk with girls at the race and everyone is like, oh, I go back into the mountains, I go back into the mountains. So it's like, it really feels that in a couple years, in order to be pro cycling, you would just have to live in the mountains all the time on altitude. But then you just have to adjust your schedule because, like, if you race each weekend,
0: yeah, it's it's interesting how much women's cycling has changed in the last like two years. It's totally crazy because yeah. two years ago it was pretty much only on Amik who was going to altitude.
3: Yeah, and it's so funny to see because I was thinking that she was the one who started to start this um, way of training so much on altitude or like having those massive train camp blocks maybe not bracing so much but just like training. and now when you see that other girls are doing it you notice know that actually anemic isn't uh, that far ahead of anyone anymore so when the
0: season hasn't gone exactly how you wanted to and you don't feel like your fitness is where you want it to be how do you stay motivated how do you how do you keep being in love with the sport every time you get on the bike
3: um i think that that just comes from like wanting still wanting to be the best. I feel like I still have this feeling that I wanna be the best. I wanna win races. So um of course there's always this like a grieving moment and the anger when you come back from a race and you don't get what you want and you're like many times this season I would be like, What the fuck am I doing? And then, you know like, why I cannot be there? What's wrong? Um but then after all those um negative feelings you realize that you care so much about the sport and that's like something that actually makes you realize that okay you care so much about something that means that you want it. so in some ways it kind of like turns into motivation or it turns into something that just allows you to uh keep your mind open to finding new ways like how to be better how to beat somebody how to like change their race outfit, how, like you just constantly think about improving I feel like once you stop thinking about improving and wanting to change something, that's when you lose your motivation and passion for the sport.
0: You also, I noticed you also do a lot of like really fun rides at home with your partner, like on gravel bikes and stuff. How do you fit that into your training? Um,
3: so this year it's been a little bit harder to fit those rides, especially because I feel like I spend quite a lot of time away from home. Um, with the spring classes and then, and like, with well time. Um, I feel like now ish is the moment to actually go out and just have a nice gravel ride. Or, um, uh, just what I love the most is to just like get on your bike and mm-hmm. ride with friends and my with partner without the goal, just to be on the bike and just to see things. And the time passes and you're on the bike for like 10 hours, but you don't feel it because so you just have a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, anytime I'm like heading into rest period, I focus on rest, but also I allow myself to have rides like this then.
0: As far as the team
3: this year, you guys
0: have a lot of new riders, a lot of riders that have really like stepped up the level. Like Elise, for example, she's always been yeah. really good, but it seems like this year she's just on another level. Do you yeah. feel like having those riders kind of rise to the occasion has taken some pressure off of you when it comes to racing because like ex- for example we saw you in an early break on the final stage of the Vuelta
3: yeah um yeah definitely it's really nice to have riders who are there in the final um I feel like that also allows me to actually focus on my goals and not uh, depending to every single race thinking that I have to deliver a result like even with Vuelta I knew that uh, I got to this race just to help Ricarda because she, she was very helpful do, during Arlene's Classic. So that was like, that thing that, um, I think I could give back to her. So we have this uh, healthy relationship between each other. Um, I love being in a leader position, but also I love feeling that I can give something back. So then my girls, my teammates feel appreciated as well. And they don't feel that they are living in my shadow everybody does not like that. So uh, anytime I have opportunity to work for somebody and like to be in position that I can support or help other riders, especially young riders, I really love that. Because you can like really see that um, you can help them build their confidence and that's sometimes like, mm-hmm. more rewarding than uh, thinking about yourself as a leader. So
0: now you're you're back home, you're about to head up to Altitude. What's what's next for you and how are you refocusing for the rest of the season?
3: Um, so I am definitely focusing now on Tour de France. Uh, I'm going to race through Swiss before that uh, but my main goal is Tour de the and there are quite a lot of things that I need to improve I need to work on and definitely the calming part of that is that I know that I still have a couple of weeks uh, so it's plenty of time to improve and like kind of dedicated time and make sure that everything goes well. Um and yeah, that's mostly it. Actually it feels like the busiest part of the season is over. So now it's more about actually training, uh going freaking of the race and then training again and yeah, having tour and last off as well working things. my next class.
0: It definitely seems like this season has been really hectic in terms of racing. I mean, it's all just been back to back, yeah. to back to back. And there's a lot of I talked to Emma Norsgaard last week and she said that a lot of her teammates who have been doing the spring classics and then race the Vuelta and then race at Zulia are just really tired.
3: <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um really to be honest, like I'm not a before like, a couple of the last years. I would always feel so tired during the eye that would be just- already for holidays. Um, in some ways now knowing that like I think the wind or I wasn't on the bottom of strata like kind of kept me fresh in my head because I don't really feel like super destroyed. Maybe I, I am tired of like not being home for a long time or, or of like traveling and moving around and changing hotels but I'm not necessarily tired of training or racing. All right. Well,
0: thank you so much for your time. And we'll hopefully get to cheer you on at the tour and chat. Thank
3: you. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good.